Are you ready? Yeah, welcome back, everybody, once again to Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. Baby, that's me. And today, today we're going to talk about snowplow parenting. What the hell is that? I heard a helicopter parenting, right? There's a whole bunch of parenting that we've gone through over the last 50 years. Everybody's making the jokes, right? But, um, you know, do you have children? I I do, right? I, I have three daughters. And I often use a phrase to describe them when people ask me, about their personalities after meeting me. <laughs> right? So I usually tell them that they are, my daughters, the best men I've ever known. That tells them everything they need to know about my girls based on what they see of me. And it tells them everything they need to know about me and my parenting ideas. Because I think it does. Right? I think it's pretty easy. I think if I tell you that my daughters are the best men I've ever known, you should, you should understand that. All right. All three of our daughters are on their own, right? One is 33 and lives abroad with two boys and a husband. The other two are eight and 10 years younger, and they are also out, of the, out on their own. The 26-year-old makes over 100K a year as a sales manager for a big car dealership in PA. And the 24-year-old is a marketing expert for a hydroelectric dam company. Two out of the three did not attend college. None of them need my Yay for me, right? All right? None of them are on my cell phone bill or on any of my insurances or living in my home. They have struggled to pay rent, missed their rent, and each one of them has had to move to afford rent. They have no money from me whatsoever. I love them and I love their struggles. I love to hear the pain and suffering as they claw and scratch their way to afford the lifestyle I gave them. Okay. Each of them has been given one lifeline only. They can use that lifeline once in their lives. I don't care when it is. My 26-year-old used it when she was 22 because she ran out of my house with uh, her hair on, with hate and her hair on fire at 18. Not sure to this day why she did that. She won't tell me. So pretty much I don't care. And my love for her runs deeper than my ego, right? I don't need to know, okay? Oh, there you go. While she was here, the entire neighborhood could hear the systemic breakdown of the sickness she brought into my home. That's all. My neighbors heard the struggles houses away as my level of deference to deliver a message that would resonate with her before she had to leave at 24 climbed to the highest decibels of frustration. Yeah, it did. One of my neighbors even gave me some pills like, hey, Lou, calm down. You'll be fine. We heard you over there. I'm like, yeah, I know. All right, great. However, (laughs) At 24, when it was time to go, she did so, right? Not alone, but with my help, right? I called a friend who owned an apartment complex and asked him if he would consider her for an apartment. So she got the apartment. She paid on time every month when she left. He and his wife bragged about how she left the apartment in such great condition and how she paid every month. They bragged about how great a tenant she was. Made me very proud. I still see these people and speak to them every day. Basically, they always say something and they always ask about her. Yay for me again, right? So she moved because the job I knew she would be good at when she was 18 had given her the opportunity again at 24. And that's very rare, right? You don't, when you choose not to take opportunities that are good for you, the universe kind of slaps you around for a little while 
and uh, may never present that opportunity to you again, but may present something kind of like it, right? Well, it presented the same opportunity to her again, and this time she took it at 24, right? She proceeded to max out her credit cards and put herself in debt to the point she could not pay her rent. Huh. She asked how to fix it because she asked for help. She didn't ask for the kind of help that was like, hey, dad, can you give me some money to fix these bills? That's not what she asked me. She said, hey, dad, how do I get out from under this mess that I've created? And I said to her, this is how you do it. And then she did it, right? So she asked how to fix it. And after months of being embarrassed enough not to ask, she finally did. So we gave her the advice she needed to get out of her debt. She did it. She is now basically debt-free at 26. The only debt she is in is a debt she can control. That's it. My 24-year-old went to college. She came home and I allowed her to stay rent-free as long as she had her own cell phone bill her own car insurance, and she had to save $1,600 a month from her work efforts. Now, that car insurance business thing was a tough nut, right? So we put her on our, in car, our car insurance, but we made her pay the difference every month, which was like $200. So she paid every month $200 for her car insurance, and she paid every month, and she paid her own cell phone bill, cell phone bill excuse me, every month for like $80 a month, right? She had to save. Ready? You ready for this? I had I paused there for a second because I, I can't believe the number. <laughs> I can't believe the number I made her save, right? She had to save sixteen hundred dollars a month from her work efforts. It took her two months to find a, a job, and then guess what? She was all in, right? When she left, she had thirty-six thousand dollars in the bank. As secure a job can be, her own lease on a car that we co-signed for. Over the last year that she had been gone, her lease ran out on the car and she had to negotiate a new car lease on her own at a car dealership. She bought a used car for a great payment and she loves it. That's no small feat if you know how scary a car dealership can be to a 22-year-old girl. Or 24-year-old girl, excuse me. My 34-year-old said she would have kids by 30, and she did. Now, this was a scary assertion to me. She was like, I'm having kids by 30 no matter what. I was like, what does that mean? You're going to have kids no matter what? Like, you're not going to have a, a, a father there? You don't give a shit? What? She was, she was like, you know, Dad, take it easy. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it happen. The universe is going to come around for me, and that's what's going to do. And that's what I've taught them their whole lives. So that's what happened, right? She wasn't goofing around. She did it. She said she would be a nurse overseas. She did it. She said she would meet a man and have kids, and, and boom, right? It was done. She's been on her own since she's 20. So now I ask you, are your 20-something kids living at home? Are they saving, oh my God, $1,600 a month? And you know, that's a funny, curious number, right? $1,600. How come you didn't make it $1,500? How come you didn't make it $2,000, you bastard? Well, I made it $1,600 a month because most apartments for young people in rural areas or and not in real big urban areas but in, in in smaller areas are about $1200 a month. She's going to need $100 a month for her um uh for her cell phone bill and she's going to need $200 a month for her car. And then after that, she's got bills to pay, buddy. Right? She's got food, she's got car insurance, you know. That's it. And she's got her college loan if she has to pay that because this idiot keeps delaying them. Anyway. So, right? She's got all that stuff going on, and in order to keep her apartment, 
in order to 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 create a um an uncomfortable living situation in a comfortable environment i made her save sixteen hundred dollars a month that's all and she did it um do they have and pay their own cell phone bill right do your kids have and pay their own cell phone bill do they have their own car insurance do they have their own health insurance do they have a job do they have a life if the answer to three of these questions is no then you the parent is the problem right i can't wait to see the matrix on who turned off this show when i said that that's gonna be interesting raising kids in today's world is no harder than it was 60 years ago if you think it is you're not paying attention at 16 i left home and moved into the ymca across the street from my high school i worked at burger king and i sold weed when I, was, when I turned 18, I went into the service because my life was a shit show for the previous 18. I was not raised up. I was feral and unguided. I came out of the military three years later and had to live in my car. <laughs> I wound up doing stuff that I should not have been doing, so I went back in. Right? I came out three years later and lived in my car. In the parking lot of the place I worked, where there was a gym that I could walk to to take a shower for $50 a month. That's all. My manager saw me living in the parking lot after about a month of this. And um, he gave me money from the store's till uh, to get an apartment. And I paid him back every week for six weeks. That's all. I had a mattress on the floor, a small TV, a kitchen with a two-burner, 110-volt electric cooking surface, and a toaster oven to make a steak in. The refrigerator was under the counter and the sink held three dishes. I had the motivation to get better. So I did. You know, no parent helped me, just a stranger with a kind heart. The great thing about that story is that my daughters did not have to live like that. And if they wind up living in their car, it will be because of their mistakes. Right? right. If you want to know how I feel about them living in their car, well, I'll tell you if it was good enough for me, I promise you. It's good enough for them. I would not take their animals. I would, you know, you know what? I would take their animals and their kids, but not them, right? They must fight and claw or die. Period. Will I be sad? Yep. Will I have regrets? Nope. Every human should live according to their means or according to their motivations. I am motivated to have more, so I get more. My wife and I will never be homeless, and we hope our daughters won't be as well. But if they are, they better get their shit straight fast, because all, all I would do is bring them gift cards for food. That's it. In this world, we have three rights. And I've told my daughters this, and they had better still believe it. Free speech, we have that right, because we have free thought. The right not to be murdered, that's... That's also the right of every human being and the right to food because no one should be hungry in today's world. There's too much food. Matter of fact, we have so much food, farmers burn their crops. All right. After that, your rights are not guaranteed. You absolutely must guarantee them for yourself. Right? So Pew Research, which I haven't spoken about in a long time, has come up with a study. You ready? Three-fifths of parents with adult children gave them financial help in the past year. What? What Three-fifths? Why don't you just say 80%? Why 
45% of young adults say they are completely financially independent from their parents. 45, that means 55, or yeah, that means, right? 50, 55% of them are not. 55% are not. What is Pew Research doing here? They're trying to make it sound cool. Among those in their early 30s, that share, that share rises to 67%, well, it should, compared to 44% of those ages 25 to 29 and 16% of those ages 18 to 24, right? Like I said, that means 55% are not. Someone phrased this so that, the, so that America doesn't look foolish, okay? 67% of 30-year-olds in the early 30s, right, are independent from their parents. That means 33% of people who are from the ages of 30 to 34 live at home. Which number do you want to hear? The 67 or the 33? Because I want to talk about the 33% to live at home. That's a huge number. That's one-third of everybody's children still living at home between the ages of 30 and 34. Now, this Pew Research doesn't say that's because of illness of the parents. It doesn't say because they're helping their parents. It doesn't say any of that. In this entire thing, it says none of that. They didn't even ask that question. How about that? And I, you have to ask yourself, why? Because people know children are failing and parents are helping them. 44% of young adults say they received financial um help from their parents in the past year. <laughs> well, there's your 45% and your 44. What happened to the other 10%? Did they get lost? Because 44 and 45 is like 99. Or, excuse me, 89. It's not 99, it's 89. Where's the other 10%? What happened to them? I don't know. Top two areas in which they got help were household expenses and their cell phone bill or subscriptions to streaming devices or services rather. Really? You can't live without streaming, so you have to have a job that can't afford those things? Huh? Why aren't you paying that shit on your own, young person? Why would a parent deem a streaming device or service as something they should pay for? If a streaming service is a necessity to a career, then shouldn't your child pay for it? I mean, what are you doing? Among parents who say they helped their children financially in the past year, 36% say doing so has hurt their personal financial situation at least some bit. And this is especially the case among parents with lower incomes, right? So, okay, let's have a conversation on this because I'm an expert on this shit. Each child will cost the average American $250,000 from the ages of zero to 18. That does not include car or college. If you don't believe that number, start doing the math. Start doing the math. $250,000 over 18 years. That's what you're spending on your one child, on all of your children, each. $750,000 from zero to 18 if you have three kids. Do the math. That's a fact in this country. You know what else is a fact in this country? 1% of Americans talk about their finances with a financial advisor one hour a year. Okay. So why in the fuck would you hurt your finan yourself financially for someone who you should have raised to not do that? I would never hurt myself financially for my kids. And I would tell them why. And I wouldn't care if they didn't like it.
right? My financial stability is more important than theirs, period. They're gone. They're out of my house. Their financial stability is important to them. My financial stability is important to me. That's what happens when you send your kids out of your house. You get your own shit back. That's a great thing. I, I promise. It's, it's wonderful. Most young adults who live with their parents say they contribute financially, including 65% who say they pay for household expenses such as groceries, utility bills, and 46% who say they contribute money towards the rent or mortgage. But they don't want to commit to doing it for themselves because they are unimpressed with the results. That's what that looks like to me, right? Uh, yeah, I don't want to go out there in the world. That's, I'm not impressed with that. I'm going to stay in my room, in my house, where my parents are. They don't want to give up their cushy bedroom, right? And would rather give the appearance of being fiscally responsible when in fact they aren't fiscally doing anything except interfering in their parents' love for one another. That's pretty much fucking it. Fathers, at a 76% rate, are more likely than mothers, at a 67% rate, to say their young adult children's successes and failures reflect the job they've done as a parent a great deal or a fair amount. Still, the majority of both say this is the case. Fathers like me, tend to realize the sacrifices, sac <laughs> sacrifices made as an adult for their children. And most mothers are less likely to take that credit. Right? Parents' feelings about how things are going in their lives of their young adult children vary by a difference of 6 to 18 percentage points based on whether their children have or have not achieved certain milestones. And if you look at the numbers, 9% of those basis points are what fathers and mothers are saying. Okay. For example, parents are more likely to say they frequently, <laughs> frequently, not all the time, feel proud and hopeful if the child they are answering about is, ready, married, employed, has a four-year college degree, or is currently enrolled in a four-year college, and finally is completely or mostly financially independent. In turn, parents are more likely to say they feel worried and disappointed at least some of the time when answering about a child who has not achieved the milestones that I just mentioned, which were marriage, employment, four-year college, and um, financial independence. All right, so when people ask, when you ask your parents, are you proud of me? They say, yeah, because they're fucking lying. And then... When other people ask them about, are you, are you proud of your kid? They go, well, mostly. <laughs> that's what this That's what this says. Uh, mostly. Mostly I'm proud of my kid. You know, I'm pretty, okay, no, we're not doing that. Oh, my God. The survey asked young adults ages 18 to 34 who have never been married and who don't have children whether they would like to do the, these things in the future. You ready? 69% of young adults who have never been married say they want to get married someday. Okay, and 51% of young adults who don't have children say they want to have children someday. Okay, among those who don't have children, young men, 57%, are more likely than young women, 45%, to say they want to have children in the future. There is no difference by gender in the shares of never married young adults who say they would like to get married. Well, there is a problem, right? Women do not want to have babies and men do. This is a huge disparity of 8%. It is a huge disparity. Something has happened to our ideologies when the vessel of humanity wants to close shop. That's all. 
right? Do young adults feel pressured to get married or have children? I don't know. Well, for the most part, young adults who have a living parent don't feel much pressure or any pressure at all from their parents to get married or to have children. But they should. That's how this country moves forward. If you're living with two people who raised you and they are still together, what happened in your brain to negate that example? Or what influences did you not have that would solidify the lives of the two loving people you live with? Marriage and family are the greatest shortcut to being rich in this country. Period. And here's an interesting tidbit. Young adults between the ages of 18 and 34 are about equally likely to say they can be their true self all or most of the time with their parent. But there's a significant difference between the oldest and the youngest group when it comes to being their true self all the time. 37% of 30 to 34-year-olds say this compared to 26% of 18 to 24-year-olds and some 32% of 25 to 29-year-olds say the same thing. And it sounds like the 18 to 24-year-olds are being influenced by someone other than their parents because the disparity would not be so large if they were. The problem does not lie with the oldest child or even the middle one, but 11 basis points is a huge difference. Some parents, same, same parents, right? Same parenting, same money, same rules, same schools. What's the difference? Well, it's online activity in the media, and that's the difference. What else could be the difference other than what they're teaching them in school? Right? There's that too. All of this sounds convenient enough like snowplow parenting. And um, snowplow parenting is a term coined after helicopter parenting wasn't enough. That's all, that's all I got from that, right? So snowplow parenting refers to parents or children who feel the need to remove every single obstacle from their child's life so that they can make a truly seamless break from home to world. <sighs> this parenting technique is like not owning a stove to cook for your family because your son might touch a burner. It's removing choices, it's removing muscle memory. It's removing responsible and critical thinking. It's removing fear and courage because they go hand in hand. Watching my girls grow up was the finest thing I've ever done with my life. Watching them consciously with a clear and unfettered view of their thought processes. Correcting them when I can and destroying the bad ideas with better ones. Here's an example of destroying a bad idea. One day, my daughters and I watched a movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, and I don't remember the movie, and I don't care. The younger girls were about 12 and 10. The next day in class, they heard about his death from an overdose of heroin. The news was saying that there was a bad batch of the stuff going around and that people should be careful. <sighs> so what I did was I blew that idea up with one simple phrase. All heroin is a bad batch. I explained to them what that meant and they never had a problem with heroin like they had more than a few friends die from heroin overdoses friends who they never even considered would die that way that's how you destroy a bad idea folks the bad idea was that if you did the safe heroin you would be okay well we're not doing that in my house and in my house i have the final say because it's my house not anyone else my house i get to do whatever the fuck i want regardless if you live here or not move if you don't like what i do you understand i mean i don't want to i want me and my wife to have the life that we considered we were going to have before we had children 
<laughs> That's all I'm looking for. Aren't you? I mean, all right, we had the children, and then we raised the children, <laughs> right? And the children left, and they're going to make more children. As a matter of fact, one of them already has. And guess what? I'm happy with that. The other two are probably going to make more children. I'm going to have a shit ton of grandkids, right? They're going to come over the house for Thanksgiving. We're going to wait until they can't leave. And then we're going to get naked in the house because we can, because we're alone. Don't you want to do that? Huh? Don't you want to do that? Or do you want to look at your 35-year-old and say, hey, man, are you going to give me some money for rent this week? Or are you going to not do that? And he looks at you and he says, eh, you know, I'm having problems at work. Got to get a new job. I don't think I can do that. And you go, okay. That's not how that's supposed to work. None of that's how that's supposed to work. Right? Send your children out into the world, please. Look. I love my kids. I really do. Right? I love my kids so much that I'm willing to watch them struggle to be great. (laughs) I am willing to watch them struggle. To build the muscles necessary to fix their mistakes. And if other parents feel that entropy is the way to live in their own home. You know, then by all means, learn to love the chaos it brings for you and your children. Okay? Are you ready? I want to thank everybody for being here today with Big Louie G on things you're not supposed to talk about. Please don't be a snowplow parent, all right? Have a great day. Bye-bye.